And this episode, we got my man Luke Brake returns, um, showdown, meet director. And uh, you were on last time when we had a preview show for the showdown, obviously the biggest competition um, in the untested side and maybe even in all of powerlifting. I mean, it wasn't, you know, 2020 took its loss. Nah, the, 2020 <laughs> made it easy to throw a big meat. <laughs> yeah, for, for yourself. You just had to, you were like, you were like uh, Mel Gibson and Braveheart in that one <laughs> gif where he's like, hold, hold it. It's like, just everybody hang tight. If we could make this happen, you know, um, but uh, yeah, thank God you did, man. And, um, you know, not to go over the whole story again, but wow, what a freaking story. You guys changed states. The roster had tons of holes get shot through it and you're like okay listen we gotta you know sponsors and the whole, anything that could happen did happen yes. and on the 11th hour and you guys held firm and and held a, a really good my man and my man john hack did what he did and mariana gasparini had probably the two biggest names in the untested show up take titles um but yeah fuck me it was 2020 a bit of a disaster hopefully that doesn't happen again that, that's the hope bless you for hanging tight and uh, Arian Messi Kamesi joins uh, once again, regular. Yeah, yeah, back again. A host, and um, we have. Well, before we get into, we had a, some conversation we're going to talk to talk about. But uh, before we get into that, somewhat breaking news, and um, I was just telling Luke about this, um, and for anybody who who might want to catch up again. So I, I said, you know what? Let me start recording, and then as I'm telling Luke, anybody else who's listening, it gets caught up as well. Back. In the Arnold Classic, right before the pandemic hit in 2020, the USAPL had a competition um, at the Arnold Classic. And usually, so if you're in the IPF, to break world records, you have to have international judges and it's got to be internationally sanctioned. So if you break records at a national competition, they could be national records, can't be international because the IPF, and this isn't just, this is like a, you know, a lot of other sports as well. Like we just want international judges there. So if you're in the middle of Kazakhstan holding the meat, no one has eyes on it. And it's not a take my word for it. It was a phenomenal squat. And this person just broke every world record, right? Like they just want some international eyes on it. So that was the rule. And then, so the Arnold Classic comes and goes. And I guess the USCPL was under the impression that they had met the, the criteria and after, so during you have a, a bunch of lifters who think they're making history, breaking world records. It's not just the record itself though. You know, a lot of these individuals nowadays have, you know, online coaching, et cetera. And there's nothing like having world record breaker and these accolades attached to your name to help you business-wise, help you raise your profile and et cetera, right? Like we'd be lying if we didn't know that a high profile lifter can be like now accepting clients and all of a sudden clients start rolling in. Um, so it is a big deal. And on top of that, just to get the kudos and accomplishment of having a record of made official. So the tough part is obviously the lifters were told on the spot, here's your world record. And then after the fact, find out not so. Now the IPF would probably say, we never said it was going to be. USAPL, I think some of the version was, yeah, we did think it was going to be. So the IPF would said, we weren't telling the people, here's a world record. We need these criteria met. And it wasn't. Where the USCAPL's side, I'm just trying to be fair to give two sides are like, no, we were on the impression the criteria was being met and you're taking it away after the fact. So people are upset. It's a bit of he said, she said drama. And um, 
I will ask, I was asking Arian if he remembers the criteria the IPF said they didn't like. And I think you got the gist of it, not the original email, but you found a little something, something to catch us up, Arian. Yeah, just the gist of it. I don't remember exactly what was USAPL statement, but the IPF still has their news post up of their statement and they go over the entire sections from the rule book and the bylaws that were not followed. And the, the main points are one that it didn't have the IPF sanction. So it didn't have an international sanction on it from the IPF. And then it didn't follow their IPF anti-doping rules or guidelines for how the drug testing was done. They, I remember they also added in there, though it's probably less important, is that it was never actually on the IPF calendar of events. And the only international meets, the only ones where you can set world records are the ones that are officially on the IPF calendar events. So those were the three points. Um, and they also mentioned within the whole sanction, because typically USA Palfing does a regional sanction. We do the NAPF sanction, just like, you know, European championships have the EPF sanction on it. It doesn't have necessarily the IPF sanction. So I think that was part of the argument back. And then, so the IPF also made sure to include the section saying that you have to have an IPF sanction for an NAPF sanction. It can only be for your regional championship, which we have the Palfkin regional championship and the bench press regional championship. Anything else has to have the IPF sanction on it. So that was the IPF's claim on it. And the, and the thing is though, like we, I knew that we all knew that though. We all knew the USAPL can't hold its own meat and it'd be internet and it'd be international records like we all knew it had to be ips sanctioned so i think that like this is not new right um we all know it's got to be international judging and whatnot and and obviously doping and the whole the doping control blah 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 so there had to have been some kind of mixed wires where they thought they had sanctioning i'm assuming because there's no way the usapl is like we're going to run this meet and just and not be international and then, and then be like, hey, give us world records. And the IPF's like, uh, hang on a second there, gentlemen. So there had to have been, I'm assuming, I know you're saying you didn't get the USAPL side, but they must have thought that they had met those criteria. Here's another thing. Mixed in there, they all the IPF also said, oh, and by the way, we told you Gino was not to be at international competitions doing announcing. That was a caveat added in. And some people are fucking hanging on to that. Like um, uh, Gino does a lot of the IPS stuff. I don't think he does a lot of the untested feds, Luke Bright, but you probably had seen videos of Gino. He actually did. Um, when we ran our expo the first year, is a two platform powerlifting meet and we somehow got Gino to come out. So he, he actually did a meet for us oh, with wow. that person on USPA Northeast. And it was pretty dope. Pretty sure it was Gino. That was the guy. Yeah. He, might not he, be. I might be misspeaking, but. You know it, what? It's, if it's Gino, you know he looks like a he dresses like a pirate on purpose. It not, might not have been him then. It, okay. There's another guy that they got to travel to come do announcing, and I thought that was him, but I might okay, be okay. remembering. Um, fair enough. But uh, so they had mentioned that in the email, and a lot of people are like really fixated on that one point, which is probably the smallest point. Probably added on saying, "Hey, we also said we don't want this," and. Um, People like they fucking took away the records because Gino announced. It's like, no, that was the smallest of re that was like an added on. Literally, the biggest thing is you need sanctioning, obviously, you need to meet their anti-doping requirements. Um, like those are huge. Those are huge for them. Whether or not uh, the store, I'm not saying like whether or not the USAPL thought that they did is the real story there. And I'm not saying they didn't. I don't know exactly. And this is where we just had um, news drop that they're taking this a level up into court. 
So they're in a court of arbitration. I'll, I'll grab the exact wording there. Uh, do you have it in front of you by chance, the USAPL press release, Arian? Yeah, I had it. And uh, I know we don't want to dwell on this too long. The reason why I didn't throw in the Gino part is, yeah, because that is one of the points that USAPL said the IPF told them, but in the IPF news post, they never mentioned that. So again, yeah. as, he sa- as he said, she said, we are, we're not in any of the emails. We're not in the phone calls. We don't know who's telling the truth here. And, um, and from the USAPL side, they, they also are saying, hey, we've been getting the NAPF sanctions since 2009 when we've been running Arnold. We had the German waterproof lab come and do the drug testing. It was all third-party drug testing, all waterproof. So they're saying we hit these things that we've been doing every single year, and now you changed it on us. And maybe it, it could be, we don't know. It could be due to they, maybe they don't like Gino anymore, or maybe they don't like how we're doing our drug testing anymore, and it's a way to like get yeah. up. So yeah, like you said, it's a whole bunch of he said, she said, but the process is for a person within a federation or also the federation within the IPF is you have to go through different levels to go up. So they first went to the IPF's court of justice to say, Hey, we followed our, all the things we did everything correctly. The same as we've done every other year. And that didn't go through. So then they appealed it, which again, stays in IPF. So they went to the IPF court of appeals. They said, we're appealing your decision. Again, these are the reasons you guys aren't listening, blah, 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 whatever the discussion was and the appeal didn't go through. So now the next level is you go outside the IPF and you go to the court of arbitration of sports. So for the highest level sports that have all the international bodies and everything like that, they can become part of the court of arbitration of sports. So if there's any issue, then that third party court takes a look at all the evidence and what's going on and everything like that. And then they make their decision. This is wild, man. <laughs> Talk about that's a lot. That's a lot, man. That's that's man. Luke, Luke's like, I thought I had my issues with fucking running the showdown. This is my no. I was just gonna say this this is the, the good and bad part of if you're trying to push your sport to be like official and be in all these different um international bodies and be recognized by the Olympic Committee and all these different things, then you have all this extra politics and bureaucracy and everything like that to ensure all these things. So then you get the downside of this. So yeah, you go to this level, you go to this level. Well, now you're going to an international body to make a decision on these world records. Well, and all I, this costs time and money. But listen, so there's two sides to this that you can look at it. And this is that's why this story, it does lead up to what we're doing here, what we're talking about. And, and Luke coming from one side, um, he could view his opinion on that as well. But here's the difference between if you have... Um, an organization set up like the IPF, which the USAPL falls under. Um, so it's a, it's non-for-profit and, you know, you vote, you vote things in. It has to be heavily process orientated because it's non-for-profit and, you know, everyone from the presidents to different positions are all voted in. So it's heavily process orientated. Like if I'm going to disagree, who do we go to? And it can't, kick its way up to somebody who's necessarily a dictator. I need steps and processes, right? So that's what happens. It is going to happen like that if you want to go that route. So there's good and bad to that. There's there the good is I let's say Arian is is the president of a federation like this. He can disagree and I could be like, well I'm glad you disagree. That's fine. I'm going around you then. I have steps and you can't stop me. And I have votes and I have rights and there's things in place that you can't. It's, it's bigger than you. This is bigger than you um, if you like that. However, flip side, it's pretty fucking convoluted. It's, it's going to be slow moving and um, things, get, things get, get a little heavy. And, um, or you have another route 
uh, USPA situation where it's, it's actually for profit. Okay. So you're not, the, the president owns it. And so there's no voting out. It's more of run like a dictatorship, but damned if they can't make decisions on the fly, bang, bang, bang. And um, you're going to move a lot quicker, a lot, you know, it's, it's, a. Uh, it's going to be tougher to get things by him. If he goes against what you're saying, well, that's the end of that. It's the end of that story. However, um, yeah, it's, you're going to move a lot quicker with decisions being made. And you just on the fly be like, what is the temperature of the room with the lifters? That's the route we're going. Um, so, I mean, there's both, right? There, there, we, we see both setups, which is very interesting. Um, and uh what what do you what do you guys think in here? In terms of let me just say in terms of um, I just want to double back here before we get into that. In terms of the this headline and the going into arbitration, etc. Uh, yeah, I honestly, if fucking Gino was the only problem, this wouldn't have been an issue. I just want to dead that goddamn story because it drives me crazy. They're like they took away the records because of Gino. No, if it was everything else was met except Gino showed up and did announcing they're not taking away everybody's lifts. Like let's end that. That was just a weird propaganda thing to get people emotionally invested. But anyways, um, so, so let's talk about a little bit. How, how is a, you've, you've, have you worked with both of the, the USPA, what feds have you worked with Luke? Cause you've had a firsthand. Uh, we've worked with obviously the WRPF running our own meet. I've Worked with the USPA, uh, with Adam Furchin, um, not only competing in those events, but helping host um, and make them happen. And then I have worked in with the USPA, USAPL and sponsored those meets before and had them be part of our events. Oh, no um, shit. Okay. Yeah, that one, the expo we did, we actually ran uh, pretty much 120 lifter drug tested meet on one side and 120 lifter non-tested USPA meet on the other side simultaneously. It was, re- it was really awesome. I was going to say, I was going to say real quick for the people who don't, don't know you as well, because I didn't really know you as well. And I started looking into it is what's the company you are associated with or that you own? What's the uh, relation? Uh, eat, eat, eat right foods. Uh, we're a meal prep company based in Buffalo, New York. Um, me and my and so, partner both. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. And so for that event, cause I, I remember the name I I've heard eat right. I didn't know it was you is you sponsored that USAPL event in Buffalo and you had Jen Thompson, and some other people come up there for yeah. it. Right. Yeah, oh, Jen, yeah. Uh, Jen came, Ray Williams came, uh, both super awesome people. So it was just cooler, cool as hell to see them uh, in person and hang out with them. They're awesome. Um, they're just overall an awesome event. Shout out to Carly and Adam because they both ran uh, phenomenal events for USAPL and the USPA. You know, it's funny. You actually freaking bridged the gap between these two feds, figured out a way to run them separately but at the same event give a little back i know you talked about this previously but give a little background how you actually ended up doing the impossible and bridging the gap between these two feds and having them run at the same event it it was cool the the venue we used had two outdoor hockey rinks right next to each other that were separated by a 10-foot walkway (laughs) um so actually for both years we on the left hand side we Gave half a rink to the USAPL who ran a two-platform meet. Um, the other half to a local CrossFit gym that did a um, fundraising type event. And they ran a full-blown like mini CrossFit games while all this was happening. And on the other side, we had the USPA ran a two-platform meet. Um, and then we had USS Strongman run a, their own contest on the other half of the rink. And all this stuff happened 
simultaneously at the all of it started at about 8 a.m and ended around four so you could walk outside and if you stood in the right spot watch four different athletic events take place all at the same time um without having to be buried by a thousand people and it, it was pretty definitely the most unique strength event i've ever seen um as far as the way the way it was set up it's absolutely wild that you could put dude i I would not even want to think about the amount of management you would need to make that kind of thing happen in terms of like working with different federations in terms of like uh, structuring it and the organization and timeline. Like that's freaking wild, man. Like you must have had a team involved. No, uh, we pretty much the guys who work for us at eat right between me, my partner, and then a, bu- a bunch of the guys, our, our management team. Um, they all jumped in and helped, uh, mainly Evan, he helped coordinate a lot of that stuff for us. Um, but honestly, like Adam, Eric from the USS, um, Jen from the CrossFit gym, and then Carly from USAPL, they just, we gave them the space and they made their event happen. They all ran a phenomenal event, which made our life a hell of a lot easier dealing with the vendor portion and flying in uh, superstars and all that fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you got to go in with money when you do things like this. This is what people yep. don't necessarily understand. Like on those events, was it those events that you ended up, you, you last time said, look at, I've had events where I got super ambitious and lost my shirt on this. And, um, and I want to talk a little bit about that because some people have some complaints. There's no complaint department with showdown, but we'll get into it in a second, but you run the risk yourself when you're a meet director and you get a, you get ambitious and you try to put events like this for everybody else. Not many people step up to the plate and run meets. No. Arian's Arian's been involved as well. But was it those ones that you were that you said, "Man, I took a bath." Uh, not so much, not a bath. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, but those were like six figure inv- upfront investments, getting Jesus. the space, um, advertising equipment, um, just as far as setting up an event that large, um, flying in athletes like. We had Jerry Pritchett for a world strongest man uh, contestant, Dana Lynn Bailey, Mike O'Hearn, Jay Cutler, um, Paige Hathaway, Cass Martin, uh, Johnny Jackson, like all sorts of Ray Williams came, Jen Thompson, uh, Forsaken Warrior came. Uh, Dude, you got this, this crate. You, you pulled out all stops and you flew them all in and everything, right? Yeah, for the majority of them, the the huge names like the Baileys and Cutler, O'Hearn, it was paying them to be there, flying them in, putting them in hotels. Um, None of that stuff, like when you see those people out at events, no, someone paid a good penny to put them there. Yeah. Um, Talking about tens of thousands of dollars for some of them between flight, hotel, and paying for their time. Um, But it created a a super cool event um, that outside of going to LA or the Arnold, you're never going to see anything like that for the most part. Mm-hmm. And this is where, when you put together a competition, you got six figures deep. And, and yeah. Arian, have you had, to, have you held, have you held meets as well, Aaron? You're acting as judge and, and you hold meets as well, but what, have, what has been your life like that? Yeah, I've directed competitions too. The funny thing is I was uh, asking Luke questions about how his uh, meet was set up. And then I was like, let me pull up how many meets I've actually directed because I, I don't keep track of it. So yesterday I went and tracked how many USAPL competitions I physically put my name on and I came up with 14. I had 
seven in Boynton Beach, one in Miami, one in Tallahassee, and five in New York City. And on top of that, for the last five years or so, I've run the Special Olympics Florida State Championship once a year, which is not a USAPL sanction, but I've run that as well. So I have a lot of experience personally with local competitions, and I've also assisted with uh, Robert Keller and other meet directors for national meets, international meets. And for next year, I'm actually going to be assisting with the world game. So I have a lot of different le- uh, levels of experience. And that's why I wanted to ask him, Hey, what's your entry fee? Like what's your spectator fee? Like and everything like that. But the difference between doing like something like that, like an invitation or an expo is when I invest money up front for me, it's like the, you know, the $75 sanction fee, the $80 for a logo. And then you open up your registration and you start bringing in the revenue and then you can use the revenue to buy your t-shirts, your medals, your drug tests, everything like that. Whereas him, he has to put all that money up front for all the additional stuff and then hope you get your money back from like spectator fees and that kind of stuff. And it turned out successful for him. So he says that it worked this time, but people don't understand that a risk was still there Mm. that no one shows up or lifters don't enter. And you spent all that money. First off, when you guys are rattling off your, I feel suddenly very unqualified to be in this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. You guys have got the bill this year. (laughs) <laughs> you guys have got some experience behind you. Um, and it also does let people know whoever's listening that, yeah, man, like the amount of time and energy and funds invested can, especially funds, it can get scary at a point. If you're running a business, if this thing doesn't work, you can greatly negatively impact the business. Yeah. So if we look at, for instance, Luke's situation, you know, some people online have said, in terms of showdown, and they actually tagged, um, I don't think they tagged Kinglift, they tagged someone else. And they reposted and tagged Kinglift. I think it might have been Joe Sullivan. And then I got eyes on it. And somebody was essentially just complaining about invites, saying, well, they also included some people who I'm not sure they should have got an invite. And here's what I want to propose to some people, what a difference here is. When you have straight amateur sport, when it's just, we all go into tournament and we all, let's just see who wins the tournament. And then you're the tournament champion and whatever, like for instance, amateur boxing, it doesn't matter. We all just enter on the same ground level and work our way through. But when it becomes pro boxing, it's a little different because somebody's investing, promoting, and could possibly lose their shirt if it doesn't go the right way, or you're fighting a break-even. A lot of times, you're just fighting a break-even because you're doing it for the love of sport. You're never going to be a powerlifting promoter because you want to make money and get rich. Not many people <laughs> get rich as not many people get rich as a powerlifting promoter. Here's here's news for you guys. You know, when you're a little kid, you're not like I'm gonna grow up and be a powerlifting promoter. You're doing it just because you love the sport. And sometimes in Luke's situation where he's like looking for sponsors and um, to top up a sizable enough, I'm going to use my own company to give out money. I'm going way in on this thing. So when somebody like Luke steps up to the plate and is like, I want to put together a competition where powerlifters, the best in the world, actually make money powerlifting and write checks, whatever. And Luke goes use a gambling term and it's fucking applicable because this is a gamble all in with his own company, putting out money and writing these big checks from his company. And, and he's like, we need to make sure we have a little bit of return here. I don't, I don't give a fuck. 
if Luke lets somebody who's like, well, they kind of you let them in because they have a big social media fall. Listen, man, the guy's got he's got John Hack, Marianne Gasparian, Dan Bell, and um, man, we could go down Hunter Henderson. You want to go down the list if you were, you know, Joe Sullivan. If you want the and you had Yuri Belkin and freaking like worldwide, the pandemic squashed a lot of international lifters. But if we want to talk about all the big names, they got the invites and we're all coming. Um, and if people couldn't, Kayla will, and if some people couldn't make it and you're like, look, I need to stack the deck a little bit. So I'm letting in a couple other people, but this is a promotion. This isn't the Olympics. This is pro boxing. This is HBO boxing. This is showtime. This is golden boy. You understand? This is the UFC. This isn't the Olympics that you're looking at right now. Somebody's heavily invested and needs a return on this. Somebody's, you know, and up to like, it can go up to six figures. So you, this is a little bit different here. And some people don't understand that. And some people have never stepped foot in a situation where, or they, you know, here's the thing with social media. It's easy to hop on there and say, I'm doing something by talking about it. This is what I bring to the community. Yeah, but everybody fucking runs their mouth these days. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, you're not doing a whole lot of, maybe I'll let you speak. I'm going off on a little bit of a rain. Oh, here. you're good. <laughs> but, um. The way I look at it, I know one other person who wrote a bigger check than I have. And that's it. <laughs> who is that? Russ Kern writes a yeah, 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 $100,000 gotcha. check this year. I'm writing a $35,000 check. Yeah, that's fucking wild. <laughs> Talk. I, never, I never wrote a $35,000 check about it. Uh, so last year we gave away total prize money was $35K with sponsors, lifter income and stuff. Um, so I'm matching that this year flat out from the get-go so 35k out of my pocket minimum that doesn't include we're building uh working with a1 digital solutions we're building out a three camera uh high def live stream so multi-angle video stream uh video roll during and all 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 the bells and whistles to make this will arguably be the best live stream anyone's ever seen at a pilot mm. uh, website invites all, all the bells and whistles for the social media. Um, the new website, actually, when we live stream, everything will be live streamed right through the new website. So you'll just go to the showdownpowerlifting.com and you'll be able to watch both days for free. So I'm dropping 15K on stuff so everyone can watch <laughs> it for free. Yeah, or oh, just stream alone. That's it, man. We're, it, so how is it, you must be a patient-ass man to... <laughs> to get 100%. people to get, <laughs> you are well you are you're and, and you're a business owner here's the thing though the level of maturity you have to have when you are a business owner and you realize like you know you, you don't just hop on there and post willy-nilly off the hip because yeah you're 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 in terms of the responsibility you have right not just to yourself but to any business partners etc but um you know, when I see certain posts, I'm like, God damn, man, I don't know if some people realize how in some people, like what, that that's just monetary. The time invested and the stress of it all is freaking insane. Um, and some people, all they'll bring are complaints and they think they're actually adding to the, I'm adding to the conversation by offering complaints and critiquing. It's like, but my friend, it, it, look at the, the, the showdown roster was shooters, man. It's all shooters. So if you got like, what exactly would you, would someone complain about if in a roster that, you know, whatever you had, if you had one or two people, it's like, nah, even if you had one or two, they're like not quite up, but they got the social media following, they got whatever it is. And people like, 
what is it? What's the storyline here? What am I missing? The so I'll own it 110. percent Like as far as the promotion invites and stuff go, and like all the back end stuff before the meet is 100 percent me by myself. No one's helping me. No one's doing anything for me. So when I made invites, the first round was 100 lifters. Some I had custom made invites made. And so I had to send out my roster for invites before the end of the year because I wanted to start invites January 1st. Um, some lifters put got their totals posted to open powerlifting post when I sent out the invites to get made. So I had one girl, I forget her name, uh, reach out like, hey, why didn't I get an invite? And I'm like, oh, what's, what's your full name? I look it up. I'm like, hey, this kid, you put this total got posted 12 days after I sent out invites. You should have been 100% invited. Here's your invite. <laughs> you, you're more than qualified for this meet i would love to have you there no no bullshit i'm not doing this just to be nice you yeah. qualified you, you are more than you are a top five lifter in your weight class absolutely um and it's come to ter- come to me that i missed some other lifters and it might have been i just didn't see that total come through it wasn't it was posted after that date that specific lifter who i was made aware of hasn't reached out to me um but I heard through, and same thing as you, I got tagged by Joe Sullivan. So initially, I wasn't even tagged in the complaint. Um, the invite I'm getting shit for, did get shit for, was Trevor Jackson. You put up like a 508 dots at 198. Pretty good fucking dots. If you're over 500, you're, you're legit. Like mm-hmm. you're a top end lifter. He was the last 198 I invited. There was a lifter who I, I incidentally snubbed um, that was above him. He hasn't reached out. If he does, happy to have you, man. Um, I'm looking to put the best people on the platform I can. We got 120 spots, two days of lifting. Bring it on. Here's here's the thing, though. Like, when you're running a meet like this, you know, you really can't invite whoever the hell you want, though. <laughs> I mean, what, For me, what, like, I agree with that. Like, like do you owe writing, these? Uh, so you go ahead. Writing go checks. Ahead. Um, but for me, at the end of the day, it's bring the best lifters I possibly can and put them all on one stage and tell them, have at it. Mm-hmm. And then whoever's at the top of the hill when it's all said and done, get paid. Yeah. Here, here's something for all the effort you put into to do what you do. Um, because for the most part, for ever in powerlifting up until the last few years, um, you damn near kill yourself for years at a time. And all you have to show for it is a big lunky trophy that makes sure your papers don't fly off your desk. <laughs> yeah. That's it. This is yeah. you spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars traveling, training, supplements, gym memberships, doing all this crazy shit. And all you have to show for it is your name's on open powerlifting or back in the day powerlifting watch. And that was <laughs> it. Yeah. That's all you got. At least you can, on the untested side, the IPF, you, you end up a world champion, and but um, still, end of the day, it's still you're updating your bio and putting your new accolade in your bio on Instagram, and then yeah. after that, it's not it's not a whole heck of a lot. You're right, um, but it is. It's just kind of it's somewhat shocking to me that you know, it, at the end of the day, it is it is a promotion that you are dumping a hell of a lot of money into, and you really only owe 
people to say, I'm going to do the best I can to get the best there. But if I see some people and I, if I see someone that I consider an up and comer and I want to invite them, I need not necessarily justify myself. And, and that's the, that's the cold hard facts of it. And then on top of that, for anyone who might've even been like, this is a, a possible backward step. That's like, holy shit. Are we really, you know, I, maybe people just feel emotional and they don't, if they actually sit back and think, and I'm going to give them that. Sometimes we all, to an extent, get a little emotional about something, say something. And then afterwards, when you get the whole story, like, yeah, fuck, maybe it's a little too heavy handed. I've done that. Fair enough. But if some people are actually doubling down on there's anything negative here, man, you got to take a look at what actually happened in 2020. And when you, when you actually ended up pulling off and the product you ended up giving people essentially, you know, to a large extent, trying to do wear a lot of hats and pull it off on your own. I know you have a team behind you as well, but it was a yeah. hell of a lot. So when people critique, they got to be careful, man, because a lot of these people has got to be looking at yourself in the mirror. What have you brought to some people don't let a year go by in powerlifting where they don't give back. Not a year goes by where they're not like, like, I'm not going to tell like Arian, for instance, is a national team coach at the world championships involved at holding meets sits in the chair as a judge, which is the most thankless job you can possibly do in powerlifting. Cause nobody, nobody knows the good calls you do, but everyone knows all the shitty ones that you do. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, well, I mean I, full disclosure, we'll give Aaron, Arian shit. If we see, um, you know, he does a call like, Oh, Arian, I think you dropped the ball there. And he's like, we, I'll, I'll do like a thousand calls that year. And you're going to remember two of them. I'm doing a good job then. Aren't I right. I'm batting pretty good but yep. there are people who routinely give back. I remember I was at a couple competitions where Kelly Brinton was there. This is, I mean, his name is, isn't the greatest right now powerlifting. He was the super heavyweight in Canada. Um, oh, I, I, I just remember the squat where they couldn't get him back into the rack. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. That was <laughs> Dude, he's famous for that. He's now also famous for popping and being suspended. So yeah, he's, he, it is what it is. But at one point it wasn't all bad. At one point I remember every single year um, he'd be spotting and loading at a competition. And one time I was spotting and loading as well. And we were both hustling hard because the meat director's like, we got to fly boys. Let's rock and roll move quickly now because we were starting to get a little behind. They only had one platform and me and Kelly were on the same platform. And this is a big man. It was like, a, he was damn near 400 pounds at one point. Yeah. And we were moving and I was sweating and I'm half his size and he was sweating. And he's like, holy shit. And yeah, I remember every now and then him grabbing some water and be like, once a year, I always spot and load and do this to give back. Once a year, I pick one and I got to get it done. If everybody in powerlifting decided once a year, I'm going to do something like that. And, and for anyone listening, posting on Instagram complaining isn't your give back. <laughs> Some people tell themselves that. Oh, to, in my defense, I offer a lot of good ideas. Yeah, everybody does that. It's called complaining yeah. on Instagram. Everybody's a Karen on Instagram these days, right? But um, if everybody actually is like, I'm going to show up because there's a loop right and there's an Aryan messy messy and they're holding competitions and I'm going to shoot them an e email and say, Aryan Luke, how can I get involved? Do you need volunteers? Just, just volunteers. You don't have to pay me. I know you're thousands of dollars in. How freaking frustrating is it when some 20 year old kid who's just going to give you a day is like, I'm going to need to see some money, Luke. And you're already thousands of dollars in. You're like, it'd be all right. We do. We have to talk that. Or can I just give you a couple slices of pizza and you help me out? Cause I'm like, uh, lose my shirt. 
I'm I'm because I've been around and I've seen I've spot unloaded and I've seen it all. We're for us, we're huge on if you work an event, you're paid for your time. I'm huge on that. Um, and especially with like J, JP, who kind of coordinated the whole lifting portion of it. That dude's gym is full of some of the best people I've ever met in my life because not a single one of them, they're just like, all right, what do you, what do you need from us? I watched them dissemble an entire gym, put it in the back of a truck and move it to the event and unload it in two hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no questions asked. Like, oh, this is what we have to do? Cool. We'll be there. And that type of stuff, as much as it's appreciated, it shouldn't go unrewarded. Um, I do the same. I do the same. Side, you, you lose that help after a while when it's unrewarded for so long. Well, that's true too. Uh, I, I do. I do the same thing as Luca. I think maybe more of the old, old school method is like you only ha you had much less people. Like you know, we're ten times or twenty times as big as we were a couple of decades ago. So like mm. you know, there's less people. There was also smaller meets and people did everything. So you might be the president of the federation, but you also might run the, the, the national championship. You might also help set up and break down, do drug testing and be your state chair because there was no one else. Um, and when I first started too, I helped out a bunch of meets for free because that's how it was. You get your pizza and that's it. But I never wanted people to go through what I had to go through, right. always volunteering and doing all this stuff. So when I run my meets, especially now you have more entries, we have higher prices, my like New York meet will sell out 120 lifters, hundred dollars per person. I can use that money for stuff. So yeah, aside from the hotel room, if they need it, plus like, you know, t-shirt, uh, food, drinks, whatever like that, I try and pay everyone, uh, $10 per hour. So it's not just referees. If you're a spotter, if you're a scorer, if you're an announcer, you're getting paid $10 per hour. It comes out to about 40 or $50 for our sessions that we do the, the half session. So that way people don't have to go through what some of us had to go through. Uh, I mean, it's all about learning. You guys are 100% right. If you have good people, if they're always doing it for free, initially they'll do it for free on the blessing of their heart. But after a while, they'll be like, God damn, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Like this is yeah. just starting to wear. And if it's always them who have to do it, because no one else is stepping up. Um, speaking on it, same uh, Luke, you brought up what happened with Kelly in uh, Kelly Brenton in the 2016 world championships clean and um, the spotting crew wasn't, wasn't really entirely knowledgeable. Now Ooh. the one, the one no, no, sir. No, sir. And the, the interesting backstory on that. Okay. So the one back spotter at the time was like, a, I'm going to say kid. I, I mean, I'm 41, man, everybody like you're 22 when I call people kid, but he was young as shit. Anyways, I think he was like a teen. It was um, Trey Thomas, Trevor Thomas, who now is 120 kilo plus USAPL silver medalist at the last nationals. Like he's a fucking monster. Like the guy's crazy big and strong. And, um, but he said, he's like a lot. Of, so if you see him now, he's a monster man, right? Or like crazy muscular the whole nine, but he's like a lot of, he was on the podcast and he's like, a lot of people don't know. I became famous in powerlifting before anybody knew who I was for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> he goes, he goes, if you watch that video now, I am the back spotter for Kelly Britton's damn near death at the, at the two, 2060 Worlds. And um, he actually spotted correctly, but uh, some other people there didn't, and they didn't really know what they were doing, but um, he did the best he could. But if you look at the video, he is like a teenage kid, big kid, but he, he looks, I think he's a teen at the time, and he is like half the size as he is now, and he was fucking struggling. But he said he caught him enough to be like, Kelly, you got to bail. 
Like he's like, you, you have to eject yourself from this. And Kelly did. He literally projected. I was commentating at the time. And I'm yeah, Canadian. I, yeah. I'm, dude, I'm, here's the thing. All right. I'm Canadian. So I don't, I, I don't live in the same city as Kelly, but I would see him around at competition. So it's not like we were buddy, buddy, like hung out in the same gym, but you see him enough, like in competitions and I'm, I'm, I'm commentating like, like, holy shit this is insane and he 300 pound man 350 pound man projectile flew towards the front row hit the ground it looked like his ass was convulsing man like he was like shaking i was like we're live on the air and i'm like uh. <laughs> i was They're amazed like, that he wasn't seriously injured because that was brutal to watch i i uh yeah so and and you got to so you got to keep it rolling. You, you're concerned, but you at the same time don't want to dwell too much. The story ends. The guy didn't, he didn't even bomb. The guy benched deadlift and finished the day. I think in third place was on the podium, massive back spasms the whole night. Like the guy's a fucking trooper. Um, but so you're concerned, but you're at the same time, no, this is live and you're not trying to overplay if you don't know anything's over bad because at the time you're thinking, let's not make this a major storyline. Well, guess what? It became a fucking storyline. That, that video went viral. Yep. <laughs> no matter what I said or did, it didn't matter. Um, but to the point, they, uh, the IPF after that. So a lot of times the meet directors are going to be in charge of finding, spotting, a loading crew. But you adjust and you change with the times. After that, now I could tell you. The, power, the spotters they use are all professionals. They, so when we were in Sweden the spotting and loading team are like, I'm like, so how, who are you guys? You guys like from Sweden? They're like, no, no, no. We, they, they had a hard time speaking English. I think they're from like Czech or Norway or Finland or something like that. And they're like, I'm like, Oh, are you guys part of the Czech powerlifting team? That's why you're here. They're like, no, no, no we, we, we spot. Like, what do you mean you spot and you're here from another country? Like, no, no we, are literally a business of we are professional spotters and loaders. I'm like, is this real now? This is what you do. Like, we, yeah. we don't got that here. No, that's yeah. I was like, that's crazy. And they're like, um, because there's so many nations obviously in Europe in fairly close proximity, and then they got the European Championships, Eastern European, Western European worlds, and stuff like that. So they're like, we can do enough that we like. I think the two guys who own the business, that's all they do, and then the other guys are like. I was like, so how does this work? And they're like, well, we bring people in, teach them how to properly spot and load, how to count plates for kilo conversions and the whole nine, how to like, and we time them and train them and time them on it. So you start at a local level internship and then you work your way up and they're like, all right, you're on kid. we got the IPF world championships. Here's my A team. And this is what we charge. And if, and we're fucking good, by the way, because we'll have that bar. You know what I mean? But they're like that. They're like, we will. And they say it in broken English. So it's way convincing, right? It's <laughs> tough. Eastern European, hard broken English. You're like, we'll have that bar stripped and loaded back to the proper weight. And like, fucking try us, just try us. And, Man was Sweden moving quick. The lifters, like the turnaround was almost too quick. They're getting tired. They're like, holy shit, spotters and loaders, relax. Like you guys are really earning your, your slice of the pizza. No, 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 no. These guys are professionals that were flown in. <laughs> it was crazy. But um, to the point, man, more things as time goes by, you, you live and you learn and you make adjustments like both you guys have. I mean, look at Arian found out you're a meat director and he's doing fucking reconnaissance research with you in the DMs all of a sudden. And he's, he's like, what do you charge for this? What do you, you know? You gotta, uh, and, well, and with, with all that said, um, with the showdown, it's a hundred percent like 
people who think we're trying to make we're making a boatload of money my hope is that outside of the $35,000 that we put up for prize money we don't spend a dime yeah that's all we're going for that's all I'm, I'm, that's it I'm cool Please. with the 35k prize money loss if I can break even on everything else sweet don't let me have an uncomfortable conversation with my wife after this, please. That's all you're saying. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but I, I was, I was messaging Luke, asking him for his numbers to see how it compares to like other competitions out there. And it's, it's very similar. For example, his entry fee is a hundred dollars for, for my meets and a lot of local meets. It's a hundred dollars for his live stream. It's free. I did a live stream for my meet last month. It was free. And for the spectators, I do $10 per day and the lifters are free for the whole weekend. He does $20 per day because it is like, you know, a, a higher level meet. So it's basically the same thing as far as the revenue coming in. The other only other revenue source would be if you get anything from sponsors, where for like a local meet, you're going to get little to nothing from sponsors because it's a local meet. So we already we already went over the story and answered a question that there was actually no, you know, trying to bring in famous people and stuff like that. But even if you were going to go off of that. Well, if your only source of income is going to be the spectator fee and sponsors, well, then again, yeah, there possibly is a benefit if you're trying to run an inventational to bring in some people that then you can go to the sponsor to say, I'm going to have this person here. We're going to have this many eyes on the live stream. We're going to put your logo there and it's going to bring you in more customers. And so you can use that as a tool to bring more revenue for your competition to then deploy it into expenses and price money. And I, I was trying to think about what sports are like for these other professional sports. And there are sports like the NFL and the NBA where you have your rankings based on wins and losses. Whoever wins the division goes in. But you also have sports like college football and the UFC where there are polls. And the polls can be based on coaches or based on a committee. And the top person doesn't always get in. There's times where Brock Lesnar or Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey has gotten in because of their name. They got a title fight over someone because of their name and what they would draw. And same thing for college football. When they use the old BCS system, people used to always complain, oh, these teams just getting in because the legacy, they're a big name team. This other team is better and this and that. So it happens in other sports. People complain about the other sports, but they still watch it and move on. But for this, for some reason, people go crazy on social media. Uh, Absolutely. Well, well, listen, look at this. In, in the last little bit, obviously, Steffi Cohen has been doing boxing as opposed to uh, powerlifting. So then let's say time passes by and Steffi Cohen hasn't lifted in a while. So it hasn't got a, like a qualifying, a recent qualifying total. But everybody knows the quality of each, that she is. But then let's say more time even passes, a couple years even. So people are like, wow, the last time she had a qualifying total was you know, two and a half years ago. So by any stretch of the imagination, and we're all, and let's say in this scenario, we're all back to normal uh, powerlifting schedule. So by any, anyone looking on the outside would say, if Luke is to hold a meet and Steffi Cohen says, guess what? I'm coming back. And I want my first comeback to be at the showdown. I want to come to your meet. Now, are you telling me somebody could possibly hold it against Luke to be like, sorry, Steffi? But you haven't lifted in two and a half years. Listen, to everything we just said, Steffi Cohen right now has close to a million followers on her Instagram. I think she's over a million now. Really? Okay. Well, there we go. And when you're trying to line up sponsors and whatnot, even it's more than just like, um, you know, well, how many people are going to watch the stream? When you, when you tell sponsors, like when sponsors get a feel for it and say like, well, who's on the roster? We have names like Steffi Cohen, et cetera. And your video, in terms of the videos 
all the sponsors are going to be in the background of the lifting platform, which they were. Anyone who sees it knows that. When Steffi Cohen posts her lifts, everybody, a million people are going to see that. When these lifts are shared by all the lift, it's not even just the stream. If people say, putting Steffi Cohen on this, I could argue the stream will get this many people. Steffi Cohen comes on, the stream's still not going to make a huge jump. You're not looking at the bigger, bigger trending on social media. That like for UFC, Dana White routinely says trending right now is, you know, and starts dro dropping some stats. That's everybody's platforms talking about it. So when sponsors jump on board, they're looking at that. These are numbers that Luke can go to sponsorships and be like, that's why. You know, when I see someone like do, Luke doing something that's like important and, and putting his neck out, literally putting his neck out of line because that's a lot of money, man. 35K, I don't know how you're living, Luke, but nobody loses 35K and is like, ain't no thing. And like, no, nah, that's gonna hurt. Listen, man, your wife will be like, that was the last one. Guess what? Hey, guess what? That was the last one. Um, Unfortunately, like last year, this past year, my wife ran the uh, score table and was technically speaking the head judge. Um, so she ran the whole platform as far as judging, uh, scoring, uh, and the, the book went, um, she, she's actually the New York state chair for the WRPF and, uh, an avid powerlifter herself. Well, that uh, helps. <laughs> uh, though 2020 was 2020. She's still, uh, I believe number 18 in the world for uh, 181 single ply. So she, she lifts a little bit. Listen, <laughs> If you guys collectively are 35K in there, I'm pretty sure your wife is going to have hands on deck on this. Okay, she's yeah, not. No, she's very, very you're invested. Involved. You're going to be like, I'm going to show up and I will sweep floors if I have to. I'm in. We got to, you are pulling on all stops of family. You got to show up and help. But um, yeah, no, I was saying like, when I see someone like you doing something like that, 100%, I'm going to freaking leading up to bump it as much as I can have as many athletes on the roster as I can have your cell phone it and be like, hopefully this works out. Like we, we need you to do well. Um, I don't know if people actually understand that kind of, you know, looking at it like this, like some people for some reason are contrarians and they want to go swim against the stream or something. You want people to do well in this. You need yeah. Luke to do well in this. And um, yeah, guess what? If two years from now, Steffi Cohen comes out of retirement and she's got 1.5 million by then, it's like, I'm choosing the showdown. Luke, for God's sake, accept her invitation. Send her an invitation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's got a cover base. He's, yeah, he's got a cover base. It's Larry Wheels. You know, who's got like two point whatever million. You know, yeah. like when you gotta. It is still a promotion, and you still gotta cover bases, and you gotta make a storyline there. And sometimes people need to look at it like this isn't amateur sport like the Olympics. There's a different avenue for that. So it kind of goes back to what we were saying with the IPF in the USAPL. And this is where another discussion that I want to have with you fellas. And I think some people are rightfully upset about this. Historically speaking, an amateur sport, it would be, it doesn't matter your name. It doesn't matter. Like all of the promotional side, none of that matters. It's just, you meet the qualifications and you show up, right? So this would not be the showdown. This would be more of a you know, if you're going into an Olympic sport, you wouldn't expect anyone to get it. If Steffi Cohen's like, hey, I'm coming back. I need some concessions made because I want to make the U.S. national team for whatever the hell. The the Olympic committee would be like, that's not how the Olympics works, though, right? We're, we're the Olympic, right. right? So that's what people would view the IPF and the USAPL. They want non-for-profit across the board 
no concessions made. It's not going to be quite the same, but it's, it's consistent, right? Fair enough. But here's where some people are getting upset with what the USAPL has been doing. For their Raw Nationals, they decided um, we want to start having lifetime members. How, how is it working here? And this is a bad one. How's it working here, Arian? They have Windsor entry. When do they get the invites? Uh, it went out of February 8th, I believe it was. So the first round was February 2nd. They were the first, second round, February 8th. And then now that all those are going to be in, then the opening day is March 1st. Okay. So they got it before the general population that were in the mix. So they got it on the same time, the same round as the ranked, uh, who, who had other rankings also got it on that date? Do you know? It was the 2020 rankings, I believe. And then the 2019 rankings that they added in the 2020 rankings are the hometown showdown. Got you. So essentially if you're ranked in the top five, um, or you're ranked in the top three from 2019, as long as you pay for a lifetime membership, you're, you're now, your total is as good as the ranked top five out of 2020 and top three out of 2019, I believe is, was the case, right? Arian? Is that it? Yeah. I'll pull it up uh, okay. real quick again. So the, the original invites for the first round um, was the top five from uh, raw nationals. And then, um, and then we'll skip the bench for now. The original second round was the top three from hometown showdown was this, it was just going to be that one category. What they add into after the fact was the 2019 top five, is it? Let me pull it up real quick. And just was the, top, was the 2019 top three and the lifetime members. And let's, when we say hometown showdown for people, 2020 rankings, 2020 rankings, that's all that means. Um, it's so not- basically 2020 top three, 2019 top three and lifetime members are all on the same level. So Which- if I bought a USAPL lifetime membership right now, you are ranked alongside the top three guy in your division. Yeah, the, that's the, the problem. The, the only Boom, the only, I'm right in the chat. Yeah, you, you can. Yeah, I, I, I guarantee you could. I can. The help. only caveat that I mean maybe makes it a little bit better when people still have a complaint about it is you still have to hit the qualifying total. You can't just be like okay. a nobody. How? But the qualifying but, total. Ouch. Right, but but but. Um, <laughs> Here is I say you couldn't. Luke's like, hang on, you you said that as though um, no, but uh, the the only thing with that, so there is a qualifying total which is good. It's not just anybody. Thank you, Aaron. That is a point that I think sometimes doesn't get said. You're not going to be like a bottom of the barrel, and as long as you write a check, you're in. You do have to hit a qualifying total, but. In terms of those abilities, those who are hitting the qualifying totals and up, I think there's quite a few ranking open spots. So somebody conceivably can be ranked 25th, hit a qualifying total, and jump ahead of somebody who's ranked 7th. I'm throwing out those numbers. It depends on the weight class, et cetera. The rankings, the qualifying totals are total garbage. They've, they've gone up, and there's a reason why they're going up. So it's not like total tomato cans are making it in here. However... If you're ranked seventh and somebody ranks seventeenth, jumps over by buying one of these memberships, you're going to be a little upset. Previously, I had said on the podcast like we didn't spend too much time talking about it, um, but and I don't know how much of an issue it's going to be with how many people are actually going to buy these lifetime memberships because it's not the cheapest. But was some, it like two k something like that? I heard the last podcast around there. there. Around there, uh, it goes it it goes by age. 
So I, the younger you are, the more you're paying because you get more out of the lifetime, I right. guess, right? Conceivably. But some people have reached out and we're like, man, if you think about it, even if not a lot of people buy the lifetime memberships, it actually, it doesn't look, it's not the greatest look when this is supposed to be the non-for-profit. It is a non-for-profit organization, but when a non-for-profit profit organization start structuring that way where this is supposed to be like we had said we didn't we done a great job this podcast saying there's the promotional side and then there's the amateur olympic side where it's like look at you're joining here not so much for money but for competition we can guarantee right. you we guarantee you from the local to the state to the national to the worlds that's when you go the ipf route if you want to go the untested route, you can go in promotions. Um, you know, there's like a huge following. You get some checks written. So choose. But if people go this route and they're like, I came here for a straight structure where like the Olympic route, state to national to worlds. And everyone doesn't matter anything else about following popularity, nothing. When something like this happens, though. No. That's well, that's the one thing the tested has over untested is that there is that direct it's very state, regional, national, and onward, right. where they're the only one that has that. But now when you create a money loophole that allows you to maybe skip the line a little bit. Right. Well, where's the money going? <laughs> well, here's the thing. So this is where, um, good question, sir. And so first off, the th someone had said, uh, actually, Angelo had reached out and said, you know, even if uh, you guys had mentioned on the podcast, not a, what if not, I don't think a lot of people are going to buy in maybe, but he had, he had argued and probably rightly. Um, it's just the thought of the fed doing that saying for money, you get passed. That changes how you had viewed the fed yeah. were like, look at you in my mind's eye. I had positioned you a certain way and it shouldn't have been, I could pay, you know, that's not the, that's not the route we're saying. And then there is also, do you need the money that badly? How many people are going to buy these memberships? If it's nothing great, and I don't think it's going to be anything that great, why would you open that door where people are now paying for qualification? In terms of like 2000 a pop for a person, for that person's quite a bit. For the actual revenue generated by the USAPL, it is non-for-profit. Do you need to do this to cover your nut for real? Like, is this really what you need to do? I don't know the numbers. But how many USAPL lifters are there in the states? Do you happen to know area not? Uh, I mean, Tens the of yeah, because the number changes every year. Before the pandemic, we were over twenty thousand for twenty nineteen, <laughs> I believe. So even if it, and what you, you guys may throw out the number, a uh, twenty fifth ranked lifter ends up does this, and they may end up getting qualified for nationals because that's good enough for a qualifying total. Called two grand ahead. Do fifty lifters do it? Do we have any? And that's hundred. What is that? hundred. That's hundred k, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I. The thing is, I. There has to be a cap on how many they're going to let do this. Is there? Do you, Do we know yet, Arian? If they've told themselves, because there's only so many spots with the those being invited due to ranking. I don't. Do we know how many um, are even a spots would be because there's because the, these are capped um I, I should say this luke i don't know if uh if, if you had heard this before too like this year previously it wasn't capped it was just open because of the covid conditions um there's gonna be a cap on how many people get to come to these nationals so it's a little different 
with that. So because I knew there was limits on the sessions and they were like, once it was filled, like, right. Done. Right. So, so, so having said that with the lifters, I were invited due to ranking, they're going to take up a chunk of the possible entries. And then there's only so many possibilities left for lifetime membership buys, but those buys could conceivably fill the rest of the roster before it gets opened up to the general public who are essentially just hopping online as quick as they can. And it's randomized. As long as you meet the criteria for your total, you get, you can get in. It's literally 12 o'clock comes try to sign up. Um, And are they cutting off the lifetime membership or is that just kind of an open offer for the time being like, Hey, you'll never have to pay us another dime if you pay for this right now. I'm not sure exactly what the lifetime membership brings. I guess you never, you don't pay your annual fee anymore for the rest of your life. I assume. Right. I mean, is that something they just keep around forever as, Hey, this guy thinks he's going to compete for the next 20 years and I can get him for 2k. He stops lifting in three years. Well, then I don't think you get your money back. So you better keep it right. back. That's I mean. <laughs> yeah. Something that's now well, open. Yeah. Well, look, that's where people really got to wonder how badly do you want this? If you're a 20 year old kid and it's like, I understand kid, you are so into powerlifting right now, but three years from now, you might be like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was silly. I was that guy. Yeah, dude. <laughs> look, at when you're 20, I spent money on a lot of silly things thinking, no, this is the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, I, it's not. Uh, do do we know how many possible lifetime could fill conceivably, Arian? Do we know that? It, it, it's it's really hard to tell because there's so many different uh, numbers that go in the calculation. Because for example, we have the based on the different invites, you have the top five from Raw Nationals, you have the top three from 2019, and top three for 2020. But some of those overlap. Like Taylor oh, Atwood right. could cover three of those spots, and so how many of the spots are getting full full. And then, like you said, there's multiple weight classes in a session. And then the session has a cap and people can change weight classes. And we have the new weight classes. So are any 63 is going 69 or the 72 is going 69 or 76. So each session may have different number of spots open for the lifetime members. So maybe let's say the lightweight men has like 20% spots open lifetime members eat up all those spots. There's no one, no spots open for March. Maybe for this, for the heavyweights, maybe there's you know, 50 or 60% open. Some lifetime members take a couple of spots and they're still, you know, 30 or 40% open for March 1st and plenty of people get in. It, it, it's hard to know. Uh, and then it goes back to the whole thing. Like we said, like, is it really worth it? Like, is this the difference maker for you to buy a lifetime membership? Like one year at raw nationals, a pandemic year, who knows if world championships will even happen um, or just wait until next year when everything, hopefully it goes back to normal. There's no cap and you can go to raw nationals. Yeah. Here's the thing. The only time this is going to happen, I assume, is this year. Like, I'm assuming if everything goes back to normal, and frick, let's just assume, okay? <laughs> let's assume that, yeah, we don't have this anymore, and we go back to uh, at least a new normal where we're still holding normal nationals. I got to think. There is no cap, so then there is no – all they have is a qualification. So you bought your membership. This is the only time you're getting a free ride into nationals because everyone's allowed at a nationals next year anyways essentially as long as you hit the qualification. So you're doing this for one year and you're probably not going to win nationals when you show up. You're probably going to get your shit pushed in. Sorry. That's the best way I could say it. <laughs> if I could throw it. Like, so- like, who, like who doesn't fall into those categories? 
So you're like, you know, six through 30th place and you think like you're going to come and beat Bonica or <laughs> Atwood or it's, these other people that you're going to pay the money. You're like me, you're like, me at 23. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. That's like just, any, anybody at the age of like between 22 and 27. You think they're untouchable. I'm like, nope, I, I still got it. I'm, it's going to happen. I got six months. You're right though. You know how funny it is that like <laughs> if I can picture myself at like 20 years old, watched Miracle on Ice too many times, like one of those movies like Rocky or whatever. I'm like, this could fucking happen. I'm selling my car. I'm telling <laughs> I gotta try to weasel some money. Don't tell my parents. And they're like, you did what? Where, where's all your money? You've been working all summer. Mom, dad. You find the right point year old. They're selling the kidney if you tell them <laughs> yeah. to, to the that, biggest that, total. I mean, I mean, Ryan would love that storyline. Like, you know, some random person shows up at a local meet, let's say this month, they put up like a 800 kilo toll in the 74s. They pay the lifetime membership. They go to nationals. They beat Taylor Atwood. They go to worlds <laughs> during a pandemic. They win, beat, they win worlds. Ryan would love that story. Dude, this is, this is like the replacements, the football movie. This is like freaking, oh. this is, oh dude, that guy's Who, who's your Shane Falco. Yes. <laughs> you know i mean yeah it could be an absolutely phenomenal storyline having said okay so that is the best case scenario is that somebody come, this is what the usapl has got to be hoping is please if somebody comes through with a lifetime membership and goes to nats let them kill it and become a storyline where people are like oh shane falco wow good for you however more likely what's going to happen if somebody comes through with a, a lifetime membership um, and it's just based off their lifetime membership, but they meet the qualification. You need to hope that they're not so far off. It's like, my God, you are, you were a 105 kilo class lifter. That's a 231 pound man. And you're being outlifted by people in the 74 kilo class, 163 pounds. Like if it looks like you came last three weight divisions below you. This is not, this was not what we were hoping for when we like, you don't want as long as people are tight enough, ostensibly when I tune in to watch and I don't know who's who, and I don't know who bought the membership and who just randomly met like when I stayed up at midnight and they opened it up to the general public and I got in and I meet the qualifications is because that's also, you could argue, and I would have preferred, but it is what it is. I would have preferred nothing but rankings got got people in. The only thing is, there will be some people who will say, I didn't lift at all in 2020 because the pandemic, I got whatever, kids, family, I don't want, I don't want to risk it for a COVID situation, whatever the shit, fine. Okay, I get it. That's fine. And then they're like, in 2019, if you take my ranking, we're 2021 now, we're going back two years. So they... I think that's why they want the randomized to be like, okay, we don't know though. We're basing it on, we can't go off of everyone's Instagram or whatever the shit. So we have some people who are like, I didn't lift it all in 2020. And some people's states and provinces had zero meets in 2020. And then 2019 is almost two years ago. So if you're 22, you've improved greatly in the last 19 or 18 months because you're at that age to wrap of rapid progress. So I see where they might be like, the last round is somewhat randomized. As long as you meet the criteria for a total, somewhat random because this is somewhat random and hopefully it's like, you know, it's almost, it's that, that's not as tough for me. I prefer rankings, nothing but rankings, 
but if I look at some of the classes, like the best in the world, like Russell or he didn't even lift at all in 2020, like some, some rankings, you look at it and like the top people did not lift at all. So the rankings are kind of lying to us too. So you can make an argument. All right, fuck it. I'll, you know, but the lifetime membership, I can't for the life of me make that work in my head. <laughs> Anything I just opened up like 2020 is a wash. All right. What's the top 10 from 2020 top 10 from 2019 start there. Yeah. It, it, to, to an extent, you know, I mean, they took the top rankings from both of those. So to an extent they were there and then they're like, well, capital. And they also took, um, uh, 2019 was the last time they had nationals. So they also took the rankings from that because if somebody in 2020 or two, and, and the reason why that was important, if somebody at a local meet in 2019 in a local meet in 2020 out totaled somebody in the, the last nationals, they still, the person in the last nationals should still go because when you're at a high level competition and um, you, you're choosing for your placings, you're like, look, if I go to a local meet and no, I'm lifting unopposed, I'll go nine for nine because nobody's pushing me. Nobody's on my heels. I'm not worried right. about the, I'm, you know, so like that's not, to, so I, I think they covered their bases with, okay, we're taking rankings from 2019, rankings from 2020, rankings from last nationals, and we'll open up a lottery for anybody who falls in the weird in between where the ranking wasn't great, but it's been two years and they would have. So whatever, it's just by chance we're giving it to you. It's that fucking lifetime goddamn grab. The money. It, it's the money grab that they did. That's going to bite them. And they better hope nobody shows up and totally embarrasses them and, you know, and does like a, a piss poor performance where people two, three weight classes below them are outlifting them and they're way out of whack with the lifting order. And it's like, oh my goodness, you shouldn't have even been in the session. You're lifting so light, um, you know, in terms of the weights. And it's like, oh, wow, this is the black eye that we were hoping didn't happen. I'm wondering, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. If you're the USAPL, you got to hope. You got to hope that something like this doesn't happen. Well, the only nice thing about that is that at least make sure they don't do something stupid again because they'll learn a lesson hopefully yeah yeah well well and interesting maybe adjust qualifying totals because you're saying even if you buy a lifetime you have to hit the qualifying total well you hit the qualifying and he still didn't belong there right because it's so right even if they would have done this even if they would have said look at the qualifying totals we set um was when we think we have like a thousand lifters okay so it chops off like like we and it's a no cap but if we're capping it, we made the total qualifying total way bigger so that if you bought a lifetime to get your, to get your way in, but your qualifying total is so much heavier, you're probably going to be relatively okay anyways. Yeah. Um, if they try to adjust like that, I still don't think buying period, buying your way, excuse me, buying your way in period is a good idea, but. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, were you going to say something, Arian? Oh, I was just going to say you brought an interesting idea up that I didn't think about is who who's going to say that they bought the lifetime membership and got in versus just saying, Oh, they got in on March 1st. So like you said, you have no idea at nationals who paid the lifetime and who got in unless they specifically come out and say really? it. So are they, I mean, are they posting or are, are they, I don't know if they, I don't know if they ever will, but they didn't, they, hmm. they mentioned some of the names to like state chairs and stuff like that, like last year and stuff like that. Um, and maybe people will show it off because I mean, you get like, whatever you get the jacket, you get the badge and stuff like that. You can maybe post that you bought it or say, Hey, I'm in nationals. But if someone kept quiet, I, if someone wanted to do it and didn't want people to know, we might never know who paid the lifetime membership oh, and hey, who just got in. Listen, 
um, 23 year old me and Luke who have been watching Disney movies for the last weekend and are all full of piss and vinegar are not telling a soul, buddy. We nope. sold our car and we worked all summer to cover this. And we, we believe, we believe yeah, the Josh, miracle. We're the on baddest that. motherfuckers on the planet right now. <laughs> That's right. I believe we got me, me and Luke are, me and Luke are buddies in college and we're both going in. We're both, we both talk <laughs> each other into it. You buying a lifetime membership, bro, bro, you know, I am. We got six months. Let's rock and roll. And we're, we're not telling a fucking person it's a lot more than 2000 canadian though just so you know yeah, dude it's like <laughs> sell your house if that's 2000 american oh my god but um yeah there's also i'm not even american but uh yeah i mean it's a uh, I, I wonder i was actually wondering who would buy it if everyone knew if every if it was disclosed i, I for transparency purposes if you're a non-profit I think they should disclose. I think you have to disclose revenue. So I think they will have to, because I know the IPF does. So I think they will have to say, in terms of revenue, we received this many from Lifetime this year. Yeah. That they'll have to disclose. Now, will they have to say of those Lifetime people, because some people will buy it and they're, they're buying it literally as a donation to help out. They're actually not trying to go to Raw Nats or might not even. People with money are like, look, I got some money. I'm giving back. Here's a fucking lifetime membership. This is like a sponsorship, right? I'm wondering if they're going to disclose, if not names, how many people. As far as the business side goes, all they'll have to do is, uh, to, because they won't have to differentiate between, as far as the revenue goes, it was a membership. Mm. Yeah, so when that, you look yeah, at, their, at, at their spread, at their cost analysis and, uh, and income. If they list memberships as an income, registration registrations would be one thing. Membership would be another. So it won't be yearly membership, lifetime membership. It'll just be membership. And then there's so there's twenty thousand of them. So good luck trying to crunch the numbers on working out. Yeah. yeah how many are just members? How many are lifetimes? Yeah, um, yeah I was because, I was gonna say same thing for uh, just okay. Like, I don't know I'm my accountant, but yeah, they could de- break it down, and you could break it down to like you know new memberships versus like, you know, renewals versus lifetime membership. But yeah, when you see that lifetime membership number, the total amount, you still don't know who it was and when they bought it. Because right. back back in December, before they announced any of this stuff, I think there was at least five to 10 people that had already bought it. Because like you said, they want to support the organization. One's like a master's two lifter here in Florida. She's not going to sign up for open nationals. One's like a master's four in New Mexico. He's not going to sign up for open nationals. So you're not going to be able to differentiate any of that stuff. Uh, and as far as taxes, which is what they would have to publish, they're going to make it as simple as possible. So there's less to dig into it. Listen, fellas, this is what I want to do. We're all going to put in a little bit of money. We can all agree Luke gave a lot back last year. And we're getting Luke to the USAPL Nationals. Let's fucking go. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, go. He, uh, earned, uh, he earned it. And uh, you know, uh, listen, you thought he pissed people off by snubbing some people last year? Wait until he shows up at USAPL Raw Nationals to make a <laughs> And he's just... <laughs> all I, well enough to have to be clean. It's okay. Uh, we'll figure it out. What, what I was thinking was earlier on in the episode, he mentioned how he wrote a $35,000 check like it's nothing. And then now he also said, oh, I'll write a $2,000 check. I'll get the lifetime. So maybe let's he does have this. a lot more money than we think. Let's do this. Let's do this, fellas. Ah, I think just- it's for a good cause. <laughs> he's going he, to get his wife in on the on the women's side as well. That's oh, right. She, she would actually compete well. I, I won't. I'm a uh, man. She's still, uh, she's still kicking hard. 
it's better. It's better that way. It makes it, it makes it more apparent. Um, I want to show you, look, I ran a poll just to tell you, um, I think I put it in our chat, so I'm going to pull it up right now. Yeah. Then I'll tell you my, my problems with your poll. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Fair. It wasn't. It, okay. So this is what I put Four USAPL lifters. Are you upset with the USAPL nationals qualification slash registration? I kept it somewhat open because there might be other issues that I would not have seen. I didn't make it specific to lifetime memberships. I just said, period. Are you upset about how it's being handled? 81% said yes. In terms of quote unquote scientific poll, you need at least 200 people um, to make it a scientific poll. Otherwise it's just too shallow. And we got thousands of people who voted in on this. So it's a good temperature of the room. And then, um, the next slide, this goes into, and we'll talk a little bit about what Garrett Fear is doing, uh, the entrepreneurial Garrett Fear. I put, again, for USAPL lifters, are you considering Garrett's offer with the USPA? I put, are you considering, not are you going to necessarily, because, and I, I will admit, if you're a little hot under the collar initially, and some people are, you might hit yes, even though you're not going to, because it, it was still, I dropped this poll when it's still somewhat new news about the lifetime memberships a month passes and you're like you know what fuck it i don't super care as a month goes by right but to give you a temperature of the room when this poll went up again it said for usapl lifters are you considering gary freer's offer with the uspa 69 percent said yes so if i'm just looking at it like that a lot of people did not like how this went down 81 percent, and then a big chunk are stating they're at the very least considering going to the USPA. Um, Arian, you had, before we continue on, you have some issues with my poll, sir. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong or inaccurate, but your claim that saying that this is a good, whatever you want to say, a good uh, representation of what's scientific actually happening. A, I use the word scientific sci because it sounds better. I, yeah, I would not call Instagram public polls scientific because no. people people that are never USAPL members can go vote on there just to spite and throw off the poll. Oh, yeah. Are you demanding a recap? Listen. Are you Arian, up on me right now, bud? I, you want me to release the numbers? Arian the contrarian is here to show the other <laughs> side. Yeah, you, you should release the every single person who voted who they <laughs> yeah, are, right. and we can match it to the database and see if they uh, even competed before <laughs> and whether they even hit, and whether they hit the qualifying total before. On, on the flip side, <laughs> can you imagine that it became a scandal? And Arian lawyers up on me is like, release the fucking people. I got the database information, and we're rocking so, and rolling here, bud. So I'll get a couple more quick points in real okay, quick. Okay, yeah. Is is that's one thing. Another thing is some people didn't like I didn't vote because um, one, I don't hit the qualifying total, but even if I wanted to say, oh, for bench nationals that I do qualify for it, I didn't vote because I just didn't want to affect the numbers, but I could vote twice. I can vote for my account and I can also vote from the USAPL Florida account. So there's also things like that. People have multiple accounts. Yeah. Also, some people don't want to vote because Ryan can see who voted and how you voted. And so some people are, are one, would like to be anonymous, so they won't vote. And then the, the just the part about the considering the other event, the Garrett Fear, that you, like you said, it is considering. It doesn't mean they will do it. I know plenty of times where like uh, my buddy who runs a gym in Boynton said, hey, we have like, you know, 30 people from our gym who are interested in running the meet. Can we get the entry form up now and get the people signed up? Sure. I put in the sanctioned fee. I put up the entry form. We announced it to everyone from those 30, like seven people sign up. 
people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to do the meet. It's a great time. Yeah, I'm a hype. And then when it comes time yeah. to sign up, put your money, they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. It's too far to travel, this and that, and they won't do it. That's fair, and and I do acknowledge that. I'm sure Luke has probably seen his, enough of oh, tons, yeah. Of, yeah, tons of interest. And then you throw it up there, and you're like, what the fuck? Where is yep. everybody right now? Um, yeah, fair enough. I mean, at least – I think at least though, it was it was rubbing people the wrong way, and I get it on social media. Um, yeah, some peep times people vote with their hearts, even though it doesn't apply. They're not even in the USAPL. You're not leaving the USAPL. You're not in the USAPL, USAPL right now. So this, and you'll vote anyways because you're like, uh, Fuck these I people. voted yes. <laughs> now, now what I will say for those that are considering doing the meet. I'm I'm all for if they want to go do the meet because most likely you'll learn something. You'll go do this other, let's say you've only done USAPL meets before. You've never seen a USPA meet. You've never seen a WRPF meet, whatever. Go try it out. You'll, you'll learn that either maybe you do like it, like, holy crap, it's fun here. I like a deadlift bar. I like having my heels up and like, you might find a new organization. You might find new people to hang out with and you might do it. Or you might go do it and like, um, this wasn't as good as I thought it'd be. Like I complain about USAPO, but actually like there's worse things here. And so you may actually figure out what you like or not um, by actually taking action and trying it out. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, sorry, you go ahead, Luke. I was just going to ask, because I've heard of this whole, I've never competed in USAPL, um, but if you compete outside the fed that I've heard of people getting in trouble and getting suspensions and things like that, with this, even though you're doing a USPA drug test, so you're not leaving the USAPL to say try try some SARMs out or you want to see what the dark side like, uh, would that still apply because you've competed outside of the Fed? Good question. Do you, do you happen to know, Ari? So the the rule is a IPF rule, and it's if you compete in another federation's international competition or you compete against a IPF suspended lifter then you cannot compete in an IPF competition for 12 months. So it's very specific in that, like, okay. if, you go, if you go do USPA nationals and there's no band lifters there and it's not international meets, only US lifters, you're going to be fine. And even if you do a IPL meet or, or whatever, another world championship meet, you're never going to go to IPF worlds. You're just going to do local meets and USAPL nationals. Then again, you're fine. So okay. essentially, yeah, yeah. So essentially every single person could, except... Um... If you're planning on going to the world championships of the IPF, and even then you still could because Garrett's is only a local meet, I believe. So I think even then they could. So the showdown's no longer a world record meet. So IPF guys, come on out. It, it depends on uh, it depends on who you have because I I mean and it depends on like if anyone actually notices and anyone or anyone complains to IPF and they look into it but they oftentimes would consider an international meet if you have lifters from more than one country so if you have someone come from anywhere outside the US they may consider that an international gotcha. meet that's when Luke's got to be like all right I got Russell Orhe but I also got Yuri Belkin someone's got to go <laughs> someone's got to go if Yuri's gonna fly from Russia I'll take Yuri every time there, there you go well there you go. <laughs> But if, but again, if you're not, if you're not Russ, you're not uh, Taylor Atwood, you're not Bonica, you're not uh, Amanda Lawrence, you're like the next level. And maybe you don't get in on March 1st to run nationals and you want to do a meet. Like I said, if you want to go try something out, go try it out. You'll find out you either love it or you hate it. And then you will stick there or come back. So you can go do the showdown or you can go do USPA nationals or whatever local meet, try it out. And then if you like it, you stay there. If you don't like it, come back to USA nationals next year. Well, the, 
Yeah, I mean the showdown's gonna be really fucking hard to get into unless you're top end. But you can go. How does the do you know how the USPA allows people into their nets, Luke? Is it um, qualifying total? Is it okay? And it's no cap. Do you know if do they have they even? I don't even know if they've said what they're doing this year for. But is there a cap this year, or are they not quite released that information yet? I haven't heard anything. I've heard some stuff about nationals going forward next year. Um, but usually it's like a, a class one total, I believe. Okay. Um, which is, I think it's class one, then masters, then elite yeah. for the USBA. It's usually a class one. It's usually like a four day meet, um, 120 lifters a day. Um, so there is, it's a, a mild cap where I think they, they top it out around 500 lifters uh, as long mm. as you have a class one, which is a decent, is, I think it sounds about the same as the USAPL where, it's not a bad total, but just because you qualify doesn't mean you got a shot at winning. Right? Yeah, type, yeah, yeah. Type deal. Yeah, you're still you're still in the top ten percent of lifters, but there's a, quite the disparity between being in the top ten and being the top one percent. Absolutely, but that's fair, especially with um, our sport. A huge thing. I don't, I don't got to tell you guys. I'm preaching to the choir, but this is more for anyone listening. A huge thing is the the participants. Um, so you need people showing up. So if you do too hard of a cap where it's only prime time, it gets tough. You got to go the Luke Bright route and you better have some sponsorships in place and you better just to break even. Otherwise, I mean, you need people showing up at this thing. I mean, powerlifting to a large extent is you watch it. If you're a power lifter, you're yeah. there's, we don't have a lot of people in the general public who are like, uh, yeah, you, you lift. No, no, but you watch powerlifting on Sundays. Oh yeah. Like that's very few and far between, you know, it's uh the odd, but um, it's, yeah, it's something that uh, it, it is also like before I went in the IPF, I went to several federations. I'm from yesteryear before the IPF even went raw. So I had tested out in Arian's right. Like it is good to have had some experience. One thing I do notice people, the grass is always greener on the other side. <laughs> okay. Yes. No matter what people are going to complain. If there's a huge influx of people that go into one federation, whenever there's, if, if let's say like, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but let's just say everybody moves underneath the USPA and all of a sudden now USPA has 20,000 people and the, and the USPL has, is much smaller. Guaranteed when you have 20,000 people around, people start finding holes in, in the game plan to start complaining and all oh. of a sudden and all of a sudden like there's far more USPA people on online and then it's just every move they make is can you fucking believe they did this they did that the more experience you get with things the more you realize like there's always going to be issues period in life or whatever bed you decide to lie in it's what are you comfortable dealing with as a whole and what structure do you like the most and sometimes to Arian's point and your point Luke you can get a bit of both if you are not going to be going to the IPF world championships and not just USAPL, but all over the world, that's probably a vast majority of lifters. And by a vast majority, I mean 99%. You can actually do both in the same year. You can actually do, you know, USAPL meets and USPA meets and, you know, you're not going to get an invite to showdown most likely, but you could still do, you know, other meets um, and, and test things out. You don't have to be only one. I think some people to an extent have a little bit of brand loyalty. I'm solely, I identify as this, but it doesn't have to be necessarily that. And it's not the worst thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's yeah. food for thought anyways. 
Yeah, I was just going to say one of the examples that depending on when he goes to Worlds or not is Dennis Cornelius has bounced back and forth between USAPL and USPA because maybe he wanted to compete 125 in USPA or do like, you know, raw with wraps. And he knew he, knew he wasn't going to go to Worlds anyway, so it didn't matter. So he's one of the top guys who has bounced back and forth because he enjoys it. Yeah. Trying to get him for the showdown. We'll see if he comes. Is that right? No kidding. This year you, you said that yeah, to yeah, he, he made He made the list. Uh, him and Ashton Rouska. I invited yeah, yeah. both. Um, I know Ashton declined due to wanting to do Worlds, um, but it never hurts to try. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if things go accordingly in 2021, um, by 2022, hopefully, they'll have the Sheffield US, or, or sorry, SPD Invitational. And um, then there's actually a money meet on the IPF side, but you have to win, like there's, you have to win the world championships and um, yada, yada. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's not an easy path. So it's, it's. Yeah. They're running like a true kind of showdown meet where it was pretty much the top two for each weight class. Period. If even. And that was it. Yeah. If even actually it was, um, uh, I can't remember now the entire, some weight classes had two people like Russell and Brett, same weight class. Kimberly and Anna, same weight class, but some people, just one person, just the world champion, and that's it. And it would be run off of a formula. And the formula now, I think, is good with points. But, um, uh, you know, just, just like the showdowns run off a formula to figure out who the winner was. So yeah. it was like, to say it would be difficult uh, getting to the worlds, like winning U.S. nationals or European championships and whatever, to make it to your world championships and then winning the world championships and then getting the invite. Like it's a long, it's a long yeah. process, long road, and then actually making money winning it. It's yeah, it's tough, man. And it's but, big money. What they were talking 250 K. Oh, it's not. Yeah. It's not small money. If you can do it, no. look at Ashton. Ashton is one of the guys who probably could, if I'm honest, yeah. Ashton or Dennis are probably, that is it. Some people are world champions and they're just not, there's like levels to this game where like, I'm a world champion. Like I, I'm pretending I'm one of those guys. I'm a world champion and I still, I'm not going to sniff that money. Yeah. You know, you could be a world champion in your weight class, the best of the best. And you're not even coming close to sniffing that money. I mean, that's, that's how crazy Sheffield will be. So if you're that person, maybe you're even telling yourself it, if I got an invite for, for the showdown, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, it, it just depends there. There's a lot yeah. of things. A lot of pieces floating around and moving. Um, we have a little over. Is there anything else before we do the over, under, or overrated, underrated? Is there anything else you guys wanted to add to this that uh, you think we haven't touched up on? No, I, to, I think we hammered we it pretty well, well fellas. The, 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 the only uh, thing that came to mind was like a quote when it comes to a lot of this stuff, whether it's the USAPL, the IPF thing, the hometown showdown thing all the stuff of people complaining is like, there's, there's this quote that I always heard that you, you judge yourself by your intentions and you judge other people from their actions. And it's like, people saw whatever action USAPL did or whatever Luke did by inviting someone. And then the person's like, Oh, well, I, I told more than that. And you didn't take time to like, you know, their intention was to invite the top person. It just happened to be that your total was 12 days after he sent out the invites and, and people got mad about it. So when it comes to all this stuff, you have to just try and see other perspective and, and think or assume, hopefully, be positive that they have good intentions behind it. It is. And also just make conversation. If you think something <laughs> funky happened, like reach out and say something instead of low key, not tagging them, but calling them out. <laughs> Cause we find out eventually. 
you're you're one hundred percent right, and it is true, man. Uh, you know, like people say, don't judge me for my actions when you don't know the options I had first off. So you don't know what I'm facing. So um, I might have the best of intentions. And then if you see certain movements, it might be like, yeah, then why did you do this? If you only want a certain, certain lifters, it's like, but also I have, you don't know the options I'm facing and the difficulties I'm facing and the tough questions I have to do. And if you're not uncertain, reach, like you said, reach out and ask. I'll have a conversation. I, I, I did end up reaching out to the, the, the gentleman and we had a nice conversation and it's all been cleared up and he, he's an all right dude. So yeah, we're yeah, all no, good. yeah I, and here's another thing. I, I, I assume that I, I wasn't saying anyone's names because of that too. I assume they're also operating in good faith and I'm not singling yeah. any, any one particular person out. I mean, I saw um, there was like other comments and stuff like that, like in certain DMs and whatnot in like, um, and Kingless sometimes gets tagged in other stories that will never make it probably onto Joe Sullivan's or yours. So, and I'm not going to repost them. So it's all good, but um, at I'll least that... my DMs with them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, think, I think a lot of people, I love the quote Arian said, cause it's true that it's like, look at, I think most people involved are ap- operating good faith. I, I, Communication is key. So I would love maybe even if the USAPL came forward with some of the reasons why. I mean, I had um, Larry Million, the, the USAPL president. You know what? Here's something I do want to say. I had him on the podcast previously. And um, he took, I, 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 he had never done a podcast before. He doesn't, he's not really that into podcasts. He's in his mid fifties, extremely smart guy. Been doing, uh, was involved in powerlifting for like the past three decades. And we were having him on the podcast, the very first podcast he, he had ever done. And um, I remember leading into it, you know, he, some people had said, look, there's a lot of people with misconceptions and just talking about what Luke said about communication. We need to open up some communication with some people. I think you should do a podcast. He's like, okay, um, I'll record it. Do I just send it to the podcast? And they're like, no, love. <laughs> God bless him. God bless him. So this is how, you know, and they're like, here's how it's going to work. And he's like, well, what podcast? Someone's like, maybe I think you should do King of the List. And they're like, okay, let's do King of the List podcast. So I had him on and I, so I opened up the questions to everybody. And to the point where Arian said, there were some, you know, people are going to fly in with questions that you're like, fuck me. I don't know if he's going to want to hear this, but this is in the middle of, um, you know, they're dealing in the USAPL. Well, first off, this is not long after the, the uh, BLM movement and some people were putting the USAPL under fire for not backing black athletes or, or not enough anyways, or et cetera. So there was, and there's very, very heated discussion on that. Um, there is, it's still ongoing in terms of the transgender um, certain athletes in terms of what they identify on with the visions to be in. So the very, there was like, these are like politically stuff that like, I don't necessarily like, this is some political stuff. You know, it's different when you're talking sports and like, I think John Heck's going to win. And if someone going against John Heck heard it and they're a little upset by it, but it's a sports debate. So no one's getting right. Yeah. These were questions that were straight on politically motivated. That is like, you touch this. And you're asking the president this, this is, this is big. This is not, and, and this is on audio file goes out there and is out there for period for good. You can't take it back. So I'm getting these questions coming in and Larry's coming on and I'm like, holy sugar, this, we went from me talking to powerlifters 
like, you know, a Joe Sullivan who is going to like, we're both dropping F-bombs and whatever. And we're me and Arian who are going to drink beers and talk to a guy who's, you know, been in the game for 35 years, running a massive organization, has to deal with the IPF, which is a global body and answer to it, are in litigation going to court and he has lawyers on some of these topics. He was going to court in and they still are. And ahead of time, he's like, yeah, I got lawyers saying, what are you doing? What's, what's going to happen? What should we do here? And um, I'm like, well, these are the topics coming up. And he's like, um, ask him. I was like, holy shit. I was like, all right. And I, I had people be like, are you sure you want to, should you ask? And he's like, you can ask. And um, he came back down. He answered every single one of them for better or worse. He gave an answer. And I know when you're young and you hop on there, it's one thing to be like, in terms of like just intentions, right? Um, it's one thing to be like, these people don't care. They don't listen. They're not giving back. We're anonymous to them. And, um, you know, you feel like the change you're in the moment because you're young and on these social platforms. So you feel like you're part of that wave. And this guy who's older might not be on that social platform because he's fucking older to him, Facebook and Instagram or TikTok to us. Right. It's like, it's, it's just, he didn't know, he didn't know necessarily podcast that well. So, however, you never want to go too far where you're like mitigating everything. This man, I'm, I'm using him, but just period, right. It could be anybody when they've put in like more years into powerlifting years that no one gave a fuck about powerlifting showed up when you didn't have a dime to give to anybody and you're doing it all for free, doing meat, directing, sitting in the chair, doing coaching, and you're not getting paid a fucking dime, but you're doing it back in the day to building the infrastructure of an organization to everything someone might have done for decades when nobody cared and there was no social media so no one would even know who you were to now there's social media and now there's a huge following but for a long time the USAPL was way smaller and and your friends are like you do what is powerlifting because they think it's bodybuilding and your friends are into football and they're like why are you spending so much time trying to get this going I think this is going to go somewhere 20 years later it's going somewhere and then when some young 20-somethings come online, if they start questioning your integrity and being like, what do you bring to sport? What have you done? This guy doesn't care. That's one thing that kind of sits in my craw a little bit is like, listen, I, like I will, I've already in this podcast said some things I do not agree with. And that's life. But that doesn't mean, and this could be with anybody who comes on the podcast. I don't agree with everything they say. But we don't want to go too far, you know, in terms of like throwing people's character on the bus. Whatnot. I think there's a major takeaway from all of us. Like we've all felt it at certain points where some people don't necessarily know where you're coming from and the intentions and whatnot. And um, so I just wanted to get that out there because I did see in like some, you know, you just, you feel the momentum a little bit, but uh, there it is. And ran. <laughs> It's red, fellas. I'm not saying he's perfect. That goes for everybody. All right. You guys ready to do the overrated, underrated? Let's play. Okay. To keep in play with this, a little bit of what we were doing before, uh, what we were speaking on before. We have pro sports. We have amateur sports. And I think in terms of amateur sport, the biggest platform you can have is the Olympics. Overrated, underrated, powerlifting in the Olympics. Overrated. 
Okay. Speak on it, love. Um, for the most part, it'll get buried. At least stateside, it'll be on at 2 o'clock in the morning. No one will watch it. Um, and then it's only a matter of time before some country gets the whole team suspended because they all pop. <laughs> we already see it in weightlifting. I mean, Olympic weightlifting has been discussed as being dropped because of issues. And that's when the, I'm pretty sure it's pretty much one of the originals. It's always been around for as long as the Olympics have been around, some form of that. Um, and then the other issue is what would, would it create a new unifying body? Does the IPF step in and uh, set up, or is there a startup that the Olympic committee creates? And then it's a whole new, um, throws a whole new wrench into powerlifting that isn't unified as it, as it is now. What, what do you think, Arian? I think there's, there's a, uh... I guess maybe a change. If we went back, like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I would say maybe it's underrated and that we would get so much further along if we got in the Olympics. I think now as the years are going more and more, I think it's going more towards being overrated. Some of the things are, are the things that people already know is that, yeah, if like, if you get in the Olympics, most likely if you do get money involved and it's like a high level of entering like that, you're going to get more people trying to cheat. Because right now you're getting nothing out of it. But if you're actually getting a you know a career, even if it is for like eight years or 12 years, more people are going to try and come in from the non-tested side or just from other sports and stuff saying, oh, there's now an opportunity here. So you're going to get more drug failures, going to get more cheating. You're also going to get more politics and bureaucracy. People think it's a lot now, but if you're the more we're going towards the doing what the Olympics wants and IOC wants, they want more structure. They want more things in place. And you're probably going to see that like, if we were part of the Olympics here in the U S or let's say for college level, the NCAA, there's going to be more people outside of powerlifting coming in and taking control. Your executive board is no longer going to be powerlifters that used to lift. And then they're just helping out. It's going to be all third party people. that are just strict looking at it as a business side, just like a, a company, you have a CEO and executive board. They're just trying to further the, the business. So they're not worried about the athletes. And then also I think, more recently now with the blowing up of social media and live streams and Instagram and stuff like that, you can get much more reach now through those things. And we don't have to be in the Olympics and on the Olympic channel and make it on NBC sports, or whatever like that. You can use YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, uh, Facebook, everything like that to reach a mass audience. And every once in a while, we had one or two things, make it on even on ESPN, Instagram and get out to millions of people. Okay. So I'll play devil's avocado. And I'll say it is um, underrated. And he, he would be my devil's advocate to those. So um, I think it would be the IPF. Uh, they currently work with the IOC. I don't think the IOC, which is the um, International Olympic Committee, will do anything necessarily to the IPF or, or restructure it. Because I, don't, I think on the surface, they have so many sports. They're going to be like, look, you, it, you have to be the governing body of your sport and just handle it. Um, you do have to beforehand meet the criteria before we allow you in. But once you meet that criteria, stick on course, it's yours. I think if the IPF gets in, the untested still does, the, everything's normal there. It would be, I picture it, we've been using the analogy a lot um, here is, 
kind of like boxing is in the Olympics and it's an Olympic sport, but there's also professional boxing. So to that point, you would have room for, um, you know, the IPF if it's in the Olympics. And then if it grows and it gets bigger, because now it's an Olympic sport. So other nations, like for instance, China and whatnot are putting together bigger teams. And then in terms of sponsorships, because it might be on NBC, you're right. It might be, um, you know, two o'clock in the morning, but sometimes who knows, maybe it's not. If all it would take would be a special interest story from an athlete with a phenomenal background story. And all of a sudden they have crossover appeal. You know, they got the million dollar smile, great storyline, whatever. And then you become America's sweetheart or you become, you know, team France's sweetheart or whatever it becomes, you know, how those stories break out of almost every Olympic cycle. We see it. And, um, and then it helps put your story or sorry, your sport, if even temporarily on the front page of the, of the news or on the front, you know, in terms of the, in terms of the uh, news cycle, your top. And once that happens, that, that's only going to happen really if you become an Olympic sport, uh, that'll help out. It'll help out a lot. I shouldn't say it's the only going to happen, but that does occur. When that occurs a few times over, it's when sponsorship happens. First for that individual athlete, but then if it happens more and more often, the sport itself starts growing. On the flip side, people might say, well, that's great for the IPF, but how does that impact the untested? Because if the IPF moves up and starts enjoying those storylines, the untested is still powerlifting. And if powerlifting as a whole gets popular, it doesn't matter. There's more people tuning in if Luke Bright puts on the showdown and people are like, I fucking, I watched powerlifting in the Olympics and they enjoyed it. And then they hear about a Steffi Cohen's and Larry Wheels it could, let's just say that they're still around at the time and they're going into the showdown meet. Do you, when you tuned in, you're like over the special interest story and you see any like, fuck me, that was good. You might start watching or some Olympians might start dabbling in, you know, the showdown or whatever. Right. So I think it could help overall. Even, um, I do see your guys' arguments and that's why we like having the round table on the over <laughs> overrated underrated. Uh, another interesting point. I think maybe some people, understand it some people may not and it depends on how big of an effect it would be but if you do become let's say a big time sport you're in the olympics you have like the backing of your your country you have the money and stuff like that the talent pool may go up in your sport so now maybe taylor atwood may not be the best anymore you may have other people coming because right now a lot of our best people are people that maybe played collegiate sports but maybe they couldn't make it like you know Taylor Atwood was, was semi-pro. I think he played in Canada. You know, Blaine couldn't make it in the NFL. I don't think Ray made it or maybe he never tried. So now what happens when another level of people come in? Well, now when you have these top-tier genetics and these pros come in, or maybe they've been doing it for longer if they started in middle school and high school and they stick with it, now you you, you might be like a top-five lifter and think like, yeah, we need a powerlifting Olympics, man. It's going to help out so much. You might not be the 30th place or 50th place yeah. once powerlifting is in the Olympics. <laughs> it might be to have been like, you helped the sport, but you killed yourself. No, 100%, that's going to happen. And, and that's part of, the, part of the thing we do, why we try to do the showdown, at least, is introducing money is what's the biggest difference between powerlifting and, and any other professional sport, the paycheck. Yeah. You're not going to get someone who has D1 aspirations to stick with powerlifting over going to play football. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and um, in terms of Olympic athletes, I not not always it depends on the nation, but I know some of the like Rosaza Day, who was the Olympic super heavyweight champion for weightlifting, 
um, the Iranian Hercules, there were there was other nations who were offering millions to leave Iran and to lift for their nation. But in Iran, he was your backgrounds. Your backgrounds Iranian. Yeah. Um, is is he like how much connection do you have to Iran at all, or or is there none? Uh, some family back there. We don't talk much, but I mean, I have family here that know of like the top Olympic sports for Iran yeah. is wrestling and weightlifting. And yes. they knew people like Reza Razadeh because he's so big. Okay. Thank you. That's what I was going to say is, um, uh, cause I didn't want to get called out if I was about to say something out of pocket and you're like, nah, but, um, no, he was, he was huge on Iran. Like he was like, like a, like seriously a national hero. And he got offered the money went up to like 10 million or so to defect from Iran, come to another nation and lift on their Olympic team. And because he was so big in, in Iran, and I don't know exactly what the Iranian government was offering him, but it had to be substantial anyways. And he didn't leave. I mean, it, it, uh, when the Olympics come, um, money will come with it only because what the Olympics bring with it. And in terms of, you know, you could end up a sport where you're like, water polo and no one gives a fuck the thing is i don't think powerlifting if it went in olympics would end up like water polo because everyone identifies with the world's strongest like i could tell you who's the world's fastest and then you say who's the world's strongest and there's something about the olympic gold medals that really help sort things now we do have the olympic weightlifting in there as well but it, the very it's it, it helps i think it would stand out more than some of these sports it's like is that even a sport Everyone kind of identifies, like, I put a barbell in your hand, you're shifting an ungodly amount of weight. It's a lot easier to wrap your head around, like, that's crazy. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out curling, but you guys love it. <laughs> well, yeah. You guys play Canadians, not myself. I swear to God, I don't know who the frick watches curling, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it is what it is. And uh, the, the other over overrated, underrated, um, and it also applies to the discussion we had, national qualifying totals. Now, this year, very different. But most years, does it even fully matter for either of these federations or any of these federations that we've spoken of? Because one could argue, you know, the USCPL, USPA, if it's low enough and there's so many lifters, do you actually need a national qualifying total in place? Or not even do you need it, is it just an overrated because in this essence, almost everybody's going to show the amount of people you're cutting off is very minimal. Or do you think, you know what, even if there's a whole lot of lifters that are making that qualification and it doesn't feel like a true, this is the best of the nation. Cause that's what some people would say is it's overrated in that it's not a representation of the best of the nation. You could hit this and you're not one of the best in the nation. However, you need a number Otherwise, what are we talking about here? It turns into a local meet. There has to be a cutoff. This can't be your first competition. How do you feel? Overrated or underrated? Who wants to go first? Uh, I think it's overrated as it's set up right now. I think it's kind of, I understand the concept of it, but in practice, it, it has little to no value. Um, it could, 100%, where you look at the year prior, I think the current actually sets it up this way to their qualifying totals. They look at the year prior, what was like the average score for that weight class for the top 15 lifters. Okay. It was here. Okay. You have to have at least this Wilkes number 
to be considered for the, the first round of signups. And I think it's pretty, pretty competitive um, for them, but where we're talking about, Oh, here's nationals. You need this qualifying total and the top 10% of lifters in that weight class have that total. It's not an overly competitive pool. If they all sign up, hmm. there's going to be five lifters at the top end who blow the rest of that pool out of the water. Um, and that USBA does it. I think there's meets in the WRPF that have a qualifying total that same thing. And the U S APL has it as well. Um, so I think it's something that's done across the board that doesn't really allow the cream of the crop until you get to like worlds to compete at that. What are you thinking, Aaron? It, it's an interesting topic. Cause yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily, my thinking be like, whether it's overrated or underrated, but I would say that maybe some of the ways USAPL currently does it is ineffective. So I guess maybe you can say you consider ineffectiveness as being overrated is that um, for something that's growing so fast, you're using a system that's backwards looking because you're looking at last year's nationals or maybe the previous couple of years of data or nationals and basing your qualifying totals of that. But it, you can't predict the progress of those lifters in the coming year. And you can't predict the new lifters that are coming into the sport every single year. And so that's why, even though they keep bumping up the qualifying total every single year, we're still getting over a thousand entries every single year. It's because it's the rate is so fast. Um, and I would say that if you had no qualifying totals, like in 2012, when I did run nationals, 2013, you just had to have a total in USAPL. It couldn't be your first meet. So I did it in 2012 because I mean, there was like 200 people that competed and I wanted to get the experience and stuff like that. But I think if you did that now, if you had no qualifying total, lots of lifters would not sign up because, you know, they don't want to go and like, you know, be the weakest person, get the last place. They don't want to like, you know, have that big discrepancy. So they would naturally limit themselves and say, I'm not ready for nationals. I'm not going to spend the money. So I think you would naturally get some kind of cap on that. I do understand USAPL wants to try and put at least something of a cap. So it doesn't go to something that they can't physically have the volunteers for. Um, but yeah, I think if you like, you know, if someone came in with a 50% total of what the top person does, when you have five platforms going, most people are not going to notice anyways, like it's not going to really do anything. Uh, the other thing I wanted to add in is that I think I like USPA's system and what the Russians have done before. I don't know if they still have a system is they have a classification system. So it's not just for qualifying for nationals or worlds. It's also a system for lifters to just look at, oh, am I a class one total? Am I a class two total? Or for the Russians, you have the master of sport level and stuff like that. I think that's interesting because it, it gives people something to shoot for. So if like USAPL had like, you know, your USAPL elite total and you had different classification, I think people would really like that. People were like, you know, oh man, I'm a USAPL elite in this. And it would have nothing to do with necessarily qualifying for nationals, but right. just, just being okay. This is a qualifying total for nationals. Some people said as a goal, I want to qualify for nationals, even if I don't go, um, but it seems to be ineffective or ineffective of keeping the limit of lifters down. I would say um, I'm pretty much on the same page here. I will not play devil's advocate on this one. Um, I do think it is a little overrated in that, the way it's used and I can understand why they probably need it used the way it is. Cause they want a lot of lifters to show up because that's how they're going to gain entry fees, uh, massive sponsorships because it's a massive event. So when the USAPL or the USPA have it as the biggest event on their calendar, they're telling sponsors involved, 
this is how many people we think are going to walk through on this weekend. And if it's 500 or a thousand, that's a, that's the money that are bringing in, not only through the fees people pay, but that's what the sponsors are going to get money off of. And then on top of that, when you have that many people lifting all their families watching the stream and people participating have friends and families and whatever watching it, or they come back and watch it afterwards. So the stream then even gets that much more. So then sponsorships on the stream, like all revenue channels. And then on top of that, you have booths that are selling merch, et cetera. It turns into an expo, you know, some of these events are massive. So I understand. And if, if this is one of the biggest profit, you know, gatherings that you have in the USCPL, even though it's, it's non-for-profit, you want to continue to grow and keep investing back into the organization. You're going to cut yourself off at the legs if you raise the qualifying total too high. However, that's not what the question was. The question was, is the qualifying total overrated or underrated? And in saying that, if you're going the route of you need a big ass event, the mere fact that you have that many people that can qualify means it, the qualification itself is overrated. <laughs> you can't, right? It's just, um, and I think so with what Luke is saying and what you're saying too, Arian, is having it, I think I like having it and it's gotta be somewhere, but if you're actually looking at it as a representation of this is a nationals, it's not on the on the surface. Like if I didn't follow powerlifting and I'm a football or baseball guy and you told me there's a qualifying total, I'm going to assume it's like Olympic weightlifting. And Olympic weightlifting, what they did was they actually calculate the totals based off how many people they want to show up to nationals. And now they're picking the number. So if they, they essentially only want close to primetime numbers from the USAPL or the very cream of the crop. So if they want one session for a weight class, 15 people, they're going to grab a number like that. And that is a real legit, you are top of the nation because there's maybe top 10 to 15 and that's it. And they're picking their qualifying totals like that. That's a legit qualifying number. So I don't need to follow your sport. If you tell me you were at the nationals, I know you're a national level a lot, athlete. Whereas powerlifting, if you don't follow the sport and you ask, and I told you, yeah, I'm at the nationals, doesn't necessarily mean I'm a national level lifter like other sports would be. It means I'm probably middle of the pack and uh, you're still going in. So I would say in that, it. Uh, so I'm adding the caveat. I think it's overrated, but I, I understand. If we could go by kind of throwing back to what Adrian said in terms of attention, intentions, I got you. You guys yeah. are doing it. It's a necessary evil almost. And there you have it, gentlemen. We, we just belted off, I think, two hours, crushed it pretty good. Thank you for the discussion from both of you. I had a lot of, a lot of input, especially with talking about federations, holding meets, et cetera. Um, Luke, do you have any information you want to give to people if they want to find out about the showdown, find out about your company? Um, let us know. Uh, eRightFoods.com, your stateside. We ship to all Continental 48. Um, use the code showdown 10 saves you some money. Um, as far as the showdown, we're actually, uh, getting ready to launch the second round of invites, uh, March 1st, they all go out. Um, we're currently sitting at 43 lifters of the 120. Um, I think, uh, from people reaching out with qualifying totals and things like that, where we're pretty much looking to fill the meet with lifters who are around the 500 dots or better, um, which is what we're scoring this year's meet on, um, so I think I have a list of probably about another 60 lifters and hopefully end up launching after March 1st with those invites, uh, reaching about around hundred mark. 
um, is really where I would want to be come meet day, um, 100 to 120 lifters. Um, otherwise, uh, live stream will be available. Follow the Instagram. Uh, we'll keep making announcements. I know we're doing a ridiculous giveaway uh, raffle this year um, where you you could win uh, pretty much two round trips, for a round trip for two people flown in hotel to the showdown and a huge prize package from all the sponsors involved. Oh, damn. Uh, so we should be getting ready to launch that raffle pretty soon. Um, so yeah, I don't know anyone else doing that. So <laughs> nicely done. So nicely done. Let's hope the pandemic, you know, is kind to us all in 2021. Fingers, uh, fingers crossed. Cause we're throwing, we're taking this up a notch. There it is. And how about yourself, Aaron? Can you, uh, I know you do it every time, but, do it once more, my man. How do people reach out for coaching and, and what do you got going? Yeah. So website, powfdingcoaching.com and on Instagram, you can find me at coach Arian K. Perfect. My friend. Well, that pretty much does it. Gentlemen, thank you for your time and we'll keep in touch. Beautiful. Thank you. Nice. See you guys.